Hey guys, welcome back to Antiquity Hours. This is your host, Emmy McAfee. Last week we talked about the topic of evolution and how it has affected the past and continues to affect the future. If you missed last week's episode, you can find it on Apple Music or Spotify. Also, if you like this podcast and want to support us, you can join our Patreon group at Emmy underscore McAfee slash Antiquity Hours. This week we have a very special guest here to discuss the topic of slavery. Our special guest, famous author, and president of the Historical Group of America, Kayla Sanders, will be asked to bring forth her insight on the topics at hand. Oh, thank you, Amy, for that lovely introduction. And yes, I have studied 19th century history for many, many years, so I would love to provide some insight for you and your listeners today. So, let's begin by diving right into the world of religion during the 19th century time frame. For anyone who knows anything about history, I think it is safe to say that the world is changing. This being said, I also think Emmy would agree with me in saying that this statement holds true for the development of different religions as well. I would agree with you on that. And although we could explore the prominent European aspect of it all, I want to center my focus on the religion in America for the primary reason of transitioning into the topic of slavery. I think that's a great idea. So, to begin, America was the 19th century phenomenon that had many European travelers curious to learn more. At the time, and even true to this day, America seems to be the perfect mixture of very different people coming to live together. At the same time, each of these members of society bring forth their religious perspectives. There were many Methodists, Baptists, Presbyterians, Protestants. Don't forget Mormons, Kayla. (laughs) Very true, Emmy. The list just goes on and on. But in my opinion, when it comes to American Christianity, that is when things really start to get interesting. In fact, the topic of slavery probably affected this group the most since many of them were both prominent leaders in the church and the slave trade. But not all the religions mentioned were slavery advocates. As a matter of fact, the topic was the primary cause of much tension and division in America. Really? Yes, the Northern Evangelicals were some of the most avid anti-slavery people, while the Southern Evangelicals did the best they could to defend slavery. And over time, this movement began to divide most of the different religions right down the middle. What did the slaves think of this? Well, I'm glad you asked that, Emmy. Many of the slaves saw the hypocrisy of the religious slaveholders and even believed that they would be delivered through religion. What do you mean by hypocrisy? Well, many people, primarily in the South, advocated for slavery during the week, but preached love your neighbors as yourself on Sunday mornings. And although these people probably didn't view their slaves as their quote-unquote neighbors, that doesn't pave the way for the level of torture those slaves felt. Okay, I see where you're coming from. To give an even better example, this is the reason I like Frederick Douglass so much is because I feel he really hits the nail on the head when he calls out the hypocrisy of the Christian slaveholders in the Union. That name sounds familiar. Who was he again? Frederick Douglass was one of the most noteworthy anti-slavery advocates, being that he was an ex-slave who passionately presented rational arguments against slavery during his lifetime. To quote him, I will read some excerpts from the Slavery and Christianity reading. Frederick Douglass says, We have men-stealers for ministers, women-whippers for missionaries, and cradle-plunderers for church members. He also goes on to say that we see the thief preaching against theft and the adulterer against adultery. 
These are just a few powerful quotes from Frederick Douglass that evoke emotive responses from both sides of the slavery argument. Thank you for the amazing insight, Kayla. Now we are going to turn to a caller on the phone to help us explore the other side of slavery. Ashley is a PhD candidate studying the Civil War period and has many of her works published. Let's see if we can get her on the line real quick. Am I on? Is it on? Yes, Ashley, you're on the line. Hey, I mean, it's great to be on today. I have some real good points in defense of our Confederate counterparts. I'd like to start out by saying that while I may be defending these views, I'm not saying I do or don't condone them. I'm just posing a defense for these men who are so easily looked over as being on, you know, the wrong side of history. These people are continually condemned, especially in today's hot political arena. As seen on a quick Google search, we can still see the censure of people who support the Confederate flag and disapproval for Confederate dedications. Smithsonian.com wrote an article not too long ago on how 110 statues of Confederate monuments have been removed since 2015 alone. It's quite a shame. I'd like to stop you there for a quick second. I also agree that it is important to keep in mind that while slavery was a great injustice, that was a culture of the time for the people living in the South. Looking back at our hindsight being 2020, it is easy to condone the people of the South without putting ourselves in their place. I'm not trying to justify their actions in any way, as I'm sure you aren't either, Ashley. I just want us all to be open-minded as we move forward in this podcast. Thanks for that, Emmy. Really appreciate it. Anyways, I'm going to get to my main topic of discussion. I'm here to explain the Christian arguments our predecessors used in defense of their actions to claim slavery was a just practice. As I explain, please put aside your own views and biases and hear out what I have to communicate about these points of view. Starting with the initial point to explain why the South began holding slaves in the first place was because slavery was a civil institution founded by a Christian country. Some of our founding fathers held slaves, so as they were establishing one nation under God, they also weren't limiting the use of such people in our country. As a result, many agricultural businesses began to grow and needed the support of slaves in order to continue to prosper in our great country. The South, especially, was a large exporter of cotton to other areas of the country and outside the U.S., providing many with their wealth. As a result, the industry became so reliant on holding slaves, it would have collapsed otherwise, revoking the livelihood of so many. This isn't to say, however, that slaves were only used in agriculturally related purposes. They also became an important part in many households, acting alongside their masters. As a result, many began to turn to Christianity as they adopted other practices from the household. In this sense, many slaveholding sympathizers saw slaveholding as a righteous thing. Looking back to former interactions with non-Christians, they have been hostile if not working strictly in a missionary uh, sense. For example, the Crusades, right, were an extremely violent attack on non-Christian groups, and instead of showing some mercy and working hard to persuade these groups to su subscribe to their belief system, they just killed them all off in a deemed holy war. Um, excuse me, can, can I interject? Yes, Kayla, what do you have to say? Well, Ashley, I know you said you weren't advocating for slavery, but I do take issue with the point that you just made. 
which is? Well, I'd like for Emmy's listeners to know that just because the injustices done against some people in a different time frame was worse than others does not justify the milder form of slavery you seem to be describing. Fair point. Is that it, Kayla? For now. Okay. Now, getting back to the topic, the Civil War could be viewed by certain groups as being the righteous version of the Holy War because they are treating their slaves justly and working with them to introduce them to this religion in order to save them. So it is a Holy War in the sense that they are fighting to protect their freedoms to help their slaves be saved. One historical figure very clearly displayed these same sentiments. And who would you be referencing? John William Jones. Well, really Robert Ryland, but let me get to my point. John William Jones quoted from an address of Robert Ryland to his son of this war is a holy cause. He said, let your superiors feel that whatever they entrust to you, with you will be faithfully done. This first quote from Ryland really encapsulates what many slaveholders may actually feel in regard to their holdings. Ryland addresses his own son, who is not required to act in any way to act obediently. Therefore, we can see it's not that they expect something supercilious and over the top from those working for them, but actually it appears they have a mentality reflecting an expectation from their own children of what they feel may be entrusted of their slaves. He continues by advising his son to act in a Christian manner, saying, I would rather hear of your death than of the shipwreck of your faith and good conscience. Advising him to act in a Christian manner throughout this journey and advise others in their faiths during the war. Not only does he expect his son to act in a Christian manner towards his fellow troops, but also his foes. They must fight against a system that many a foe have easily subscribed to, saying, It is against such men that you may perhaps be arrayed, and the laws of war do not forbid you to pity them, even in the act of destroying them. It is more important that we could exhibit a proper temper in this unfortunate context. Hey, Ashley. Yeah? That is a good quote to use, but I feel like your interpretation might fail to incorporate the fact that injustices are still injustices, even though they are somewhat acceptable in the social arena. Also, I see that your point here is primarily the separation of church and state, and that the lawgivers shouldn't complicate such matters that don't affect them directly. But when you have such an immoral topic such as slavery, I feel like the lawmakers of the time almost have to interject for the sake of society. Okay, fair point. Moving on. Okay, now I'd like to say something. Which is? I'd like to talk about Perpetua. Who's Perpetua? Well, Perpetua was one of the earliest Christian martyrs of the 3rd century and was considered an equal in Christianity. Interestingly enough, she was also a slave who was pregnant. But that's not why people remember her. People remember her for her unwavering bravery and heroic character rather than just being some slave. That doesn't defeat the purpose that they were still slaves. What'd you say, Ashley? They're still slaves. Even though we see these blessed figures in history and throughout the Bible, they're still slaves. Think of Joseph. Joseph was sold by his brothers into slavery and was still a very blessed man. A prophet, even. For example, the Hebrews, as well, were also God's chosen people, but they were subjected to hard slavery for years and years and years, and God still loved them. You can't dismiss 
the fact they were slaves just because they were blessed people. Well, slavery shouldn't define a person. And to me, that's where the main issue is in this whole conversation. We talk of these people who also happen to be slaves during their time in such a way that being someone else's property is what they were born to do and will be and will die being. And that's just sick. This is why I brought up Perpetua. Because she was more than just some slave, she was a hero. You know, Kayla, I agree with you. I also think we should view these people as more than just slaves. Time and time again, the topic of slavery always appears in history and people try to use these instances as learning experiences in the sense that moving forward, we as a nation now know what to avoid. When in reality, slavery is a pressing matter that appears in different forms. This is not to say we should stop analyzing the past, but definitely need to think more about the future. That's exactly what I was thinking, Yimmy. You took the words right out of my mouth. What are your thoughts on this, Ashley? Well, I can't say I disagree. Okay, guys, time to wrap up a little bit, but before we go, I have one more point to make. Although many Americans realize that slavery in the traditional sense is no longer practiced, they fail to recognize that sex trafficking and other abuses of power all contribute to the modern interpretation of slavery. So I have a question to pose to you guys in the audience. How is this modern interpretation of slavery related to the traditional definition of slavery? Leave your comments down below. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And a special thanks to both of our guests, Kayla Sanders and Ashley Lackey. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I appreciate all the support. Tune in next week for Antiquity Hours.